Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everyone, I'm Zach Albetta. This is Working Drummer Podcast, and today I'm talking with Johnny Rabb. Of course, you know Johnny as a master drummer, clinician, and product developer, but what maybe not as many of us drummers are aware of is that since 2012, he's been in the drum chair for the band Collective Soul. Uh, We had a great talk about the the various chapters of Johnny's career and how he's navigated through each of them. As always, you can find us at workingdrummer.net, where you can check out past episodes, learn more about who we are and what we're about, and you can also find a link to our Patreon page, or just go to patreon.com slash workingdrummer. If you'd like to contribute a little money each month to help keep the podcast going strong, we would appreciate it. There are some great incentives there for donations at any level, including t-shirts, stickers, access to bonus content, a free lesson with one of our past guests, such as Ben Caesar or Carter McLean or the chance to be interviewed on an episode of Working Drummer. You can donate as much or as little as you see fit starting at $1 a month and every donation at any level is greatly appreciated. I also want to let you know that Working Drummer Podcast is now available through Stitcher. Just go to stitcher.com or grab the Stitcher app, search Working Drummer and subscribe. I'd like to introduce you all to Crush Drums by telling you about one of their new lines. They are offering a brand new birch kit called the Sublime Birch Series. The Sublime Birch is 100% North American birch. Here's Crush's own Terry Platt talking about some of the cool features of the Sublime Birch Series. One thing that Crush has always done is on our 14-inch floor toms, we do a 14 by 13. It's got the fullness and depth of a 14 by 14 tom, but you can also, tuning range-wise, manipulate it to sound more like a 14 by 12 for the guys that, that enjoy that tone as well. It also includes the hoop saver claws that we developed where we actually have the rubber grommet under the claw protruding through the front of the claw. So if somebody grabs their drum set and sets it down, say on concrete, you know, claw side down, it doesn't scratch up everything. And here's one of my favorite things about what Crush is doing. The bearing edges are cut a little more specifically for the drums. Our standard edge is a, you know, kind of a double 45 and the outside is rounded over so you get some more head contact with the shell. On the bass drum, you'll notice that the resonant side is even rounder than that and then the uh, batter side is going to be a little bit sharper just so you get that nice snap out of the kick but the resonant head really brings the whole shell into the equation of the tone. You can also find a link to the new Sublime Birch series in our show notes and see the beautiful finishes and configurations they offer. In the near future we've got much more to share in regard to Crush Drums and this dynamic company. For now check out Crush Drums at crushdrum.com So Johnny is a really down-to-earth guy. I, I really dig his uh, workmanlike approach and attitude to things. Uh, his career has had multiple chapters, and it was great to hear how he kind of embraced that and has found ways to roll with and capitalize on the changes in the music industry. So let's get to it with the one and only Johnny Rabb. When we met in the store, you were you were talking about... Um, you know, the trajectory of your career and how for so long you had been uh, known for better or for worse as the clinic guy. Like you develop oh, these sure. sticks, you develop these products and and for years you were you were doing this clinic circuit kind of wishing uh, that more people um, 
that you got more opportunities to just play in a band, like to just be the drummer <laughs> instead yeah. of the clinician. Um, so, so talk about that, uh, that transition in your career and, and how you went from kind of being pigeonholed as this, as this clinician to, you know, the drummer in a band. Well, we're, uh, this morning just talking to my wife about just that topic. And, um, I continually talk about that with my stick partner, Troy Dares, who's, uh, has been really awesome at like helping me with a lot of industry stuff and, and just, you know, in the past I've made some mistakes that, you know, you kind of roll the dice on uh-huh. things. You, just, In my opinion, I think almost every young person rolls the dice and go, I'm going to, I'm going to move here and I'm going to play drums. And I'm, so I did that. I did a bunch of dice rolling, if you will, <laughs> um, in early years in Nashville. And I won't go back to history unless we get into that later. But to answer your question about, I live in Indianapolis now and have been here for the past, uh, about five years, three years in this home, mm-hmm. uh, and feel really lucky that we have a home. Uh, if it wasn't for my wife and like myself combined, we wouldn't be in the situation. So I'm excited that um, her career is awesome. My career is going well. Mm-hmm. Um, what does your wife do? Uh, she is in uh, legal marketing. She's she's not an attorney, but she is in charge of uh, basically getting clients for a large attorney um firm in chicago my wife she, does my wife does a similar thing she does uh school marketing she's not an educator but she works for a, a marketing firm that works with private schools and nonprofits, yeah. and etc so huge right I yeah mean, it's a big deal and i think that topic alone is one that is is massive whether you're single married or have a girlfriend or if you're a female listening to the show uh boyfriend or whatever preference right, uh, right. it's important uh, to have your stuff together whether you're single or with a partner um, so I never take that for granted. I mm-hmm. mean, every day we try to chat out about things cause it's always different. It's, there's no guarantees. Uh, I don't really believe that you talk to anybody. They can fake it and say like, Oh yeah, I'm, everything's great. I've, I've got this totally nailed, but right. I, I don't quite believe anybody that says there's some, uh, easy answer right. to this as you know. I mean, you play drums fantastic and I'm sure there's days that you feel struggling. I feel struggle. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but to answer your question, I think uh, 2000, end of 2011 at the NAM show, or I guess it was 2012, I met Will Turpin and uh, Collective Soul at my friend, our mutual friend Jen Lowe's uh, birthday party. Mm-hmm. And we just hit it off talking at, at the restaurant where she was having the party. And I, I didn't know Will. I, I knew I recognized him, but I didn't think... Uh, that he was in a band or I didn't know, you know, it's, it's Nam. So I, I kind of thought it might've been somebody that was in, owned a music store or was in retail. I just didn't know. And I kind of, I kind of like that because we didn't go into an, uh, a conver- conversation with some, any pre preconceived, like, Oh, he's in collective soul or there was no, right. You know what I mean? Like right. just another person. Yeah. And then, uh, kind of like all the things led to one thing led to another where he's like, well, we're looking for a drummer. And, you know, my thought was, well, in my mind at the time was like, Nam is not the place that you go get a gig. It's just not, <laughs> that, that isn't how I've had it happen for like the, almost the 22, 23 years I've been at Nam. Yeah. Uh, so even calling my friends and being like, cool, I met this awesome dude i love collective soul i'm at the bass player we talked and they're looking for a drummer oh dude that's awesome you're gonna get that i'm like that 
I don't think that that's going to pan out. Like, just because that's not how, as I said, usually you don't, I don't go to NAM to try to look for playing gigs, you know? Right. So, <laughs> uh, it did work out, and I really appreciate it to this day. Will, you know, recommended me to Ed uh, mm-hmm. and the guys, and they came by the Roland booth, I think, on a Sunday or a Saturday. And um, I did my, like, I guess you call it crazy demo, like more choppy demo with the Latin funky stuff for Roland back those days. And then uh, the next thing I did was flying to Ed's house to just jam. And we only jammed in his, his basement studio for like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm still like, you know, calling my wife going, I totally want to do this gig, but I, I can't tell if this is, they want me to do it or so it really wasn't an audition. It was just a jam. And, um, did it and then 2012 was that dosage tour which was the uh dosage full record and then another hour or hour and 20 of their other hits mm-hmm. so the first tour was a no joke like two and a half hour show i mean it was like yeah you know, straight and it, right. i loved it i loved it <laughs> and now it's the starting of uh the beginning of the seventh year with them man and i will do it as long as they want me to do it yeah uh, I don't even look at it that way. I do feel uh, as much as I can a part of the band. I don't feel like, oh, you're a hired gun. I feel like they, they allow me to be involved in processes such as recording, uh, meeting the, their, their fans past and new, right. um, you know, photos, interviews, things like that. So I really feel honored that they allow me in because yeah. it is their band, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's their band. I don't look at it any different. I never will. No right. matter how, how uh, in deep I get with them, I'm every day that I'm gigging with them or having fun somewhere. Uh, I say it like I, I live in Indianapolis, and people are like, "Why do you live there?" We we'll get to that later. Right. But <laughs> I love it, and I feel settled, mm-hmm. and I feel like it really is a home. We yeah. we we're, we're always continuing writing and Ed's writing and. It really is like, I know people are like, hey, bro, hey, brother. Like, I'm not a big hey, brother kind <laughs> nice. of guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or bro, hey, bro. <laughs> but that being said, I do feel like even if, like, uh, somehow they didn't want to do the band anymore, I wasn't involved in the band anymore, um, I would never have a, I don't care what circumstance, I would never have a, uh, like, a negative, oh, well, I don't think it'd be an ever negative thing. It'd be like, hug them and be like, man, what a great ride and yeah. what a great band Yeah, and people. So I do feel like they are true extended brothers of, uh, of, of me, family, my wife, all, all sorts of. Right. Um, and yeah. so like when you first joined the band, um, it, was it a hired gun vibe? Like what, you know, did, did you or the band have any sort of, uh, notion about how long this was going to last or if you were kind of on a trial period or, um, I'm only smiling because, uh, no, <laughs> when I saw the tour book for the 2012 tour, I didn't think it would be like, you're out of here necessarily after the tour, but I didn't know that they, that management at the time, there was a big tour, and so I saw the tour book and was like, okay, it ends, you know, August 20th or August something in Atlanta. And at the time, I've never really told the story, but it's true. At the time, my wife and I were expecting our baby, and it was mm-hmm. a planned, you know, uh, 
C-section, so we knew the date, right? So yeah. Um, and I remember thinking like, okay, well, we're off. And at the time, it wasn't like I didn't want to tell them we're pregnant, but at the time, I was so new that, to be honest, I didn't want to come into a new situation going, oh, and like, you know, in, in a couple months, we're going to have a baby. I didn't want, my wife and I didn't want it to, to be some reason. They're like, oh, you're you're tied up with family. Let's let's hire someone else. Right. So as weird as that sounds, we kind of kept that to ourselves mm-hmm. just for the sake of I really wanted to do the gig. My wife wanted me to do the gig. So at first... It was just doing that tour, and the term hired gun never came up, but I guess in the sense of, at that time, yeah, of course they were trying me out, and mm-hmm. there was no, I don't, I don't blame them. Right. Um, so, yeah, we did that for the, the tour, and I'll never forget, there were some New Jersey dates, you know, right on top of the scheduled surgery uh, for our daughter, Carmen, and th- that's kind of when I learned my little lesson and it was totally cool ed was just like hey did you know about these dates and i'm like i didn't and he said neither did i Mm. it just came up he goes but that's when it kind of like got solidified he's like i need you to realize that dates come up all the time and we want you to do them so you know please be aware that they could come up quickly so you're gonna you're gonna need to you know be available and that's and he was super kind. He's like, look, uh, he's like, I don't want any, anyone to pass away. He goes, but if somebody passes away or if somebody's getting born, those are the two uh, reasons. <laughs> Funny you should mention. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and he, he knew. He knew. Right, okay, he, yeah. He, he at that point knew that we were having a baby. Um, and I thought I was just doing the pro thing of not bothering them right away with, hey, we're getting ready to have a baby. You're just trying me out. I thought I was uh, not rocking the boat. Right. And he's awesome. They're all family people and um, family guys and, and, uh, it all worked out. I had uh, Scott Davidson, who's an old friend of Will's, but also an old friend of mine from Berkeley subbed those dates. And, mm. you know, for those of you even listening, I'm, I will say it, you never want to sub. I'm just going to be honest. You, you don't, I love Scott. This has nothing to do with, I just, you, you don't, you want to try to do your gig and, and, and not have a reason to have a sub because, who knows if that equals like, ah, well, you weren't into it or they get a wrong idea. So I'm right. very glad that they knew Scott and then I was able to like have him sub and he covered my butt yeah. for our, so. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned subbing, like the, the rule you, you usually hear about is, you know, if, you, if you're going to sub, if you're going to send a sub, send, send someone as good or better than you. Um, but you're, you're talking about just don't sub <laughs> if no, possible. I mean, I don't want to paint a picture of that. You I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. Cause it like, I want to make very clear that Scott is a good friend and we've kept in touch and he was, he's a monster drummer in my opinion. And, uh, he, uh, successful now doing different things career wise, but he's still like, I envy him because he still drums when he wants, uh, but has a successful, uh, outside drumming career. And, um, no, it's not, not sub, how do I say it to be very, very clear? If you can't, if you get a, a gig that, you know, is like what you'd consider a full time gig. I don't know. You know, let's just say it's a cruise ship, anywhere from a cruise ship to a cover band to, uh, as many dates like I'm doing with collective soul or enter any, it doesn't matter if it's a, a band with hits or if it's a band that's just booked, you know? Right. I think that you, you should, try your mindset should be with your family or if you're single with yourself 
don't sub. You're supposed to be the drummer for it. Mm-hmm. I think the more that you, if you send a sub, it should be for a good reason. You are throwing up uncontrollably every 30 seconds <laughs> and you're going to do, you know, you're going to do that on the gig or, you know, somebody has unfortunately in, in an emergency situation, family member or, or I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. But yeah, subbing and having a, you also want to make sure that the person that's subbing for you, in my opinion, knows that they're not somehow getting the gig. Right. Uh, right. That, you know, that one can be a tricky, I've, I've seen people get really excited about, I've, I've heard them, oh, dude, I'm subbing for Bing, Bing, Bing this weekend. I'm like, cool. And yeah. they, they really think like, man, if I keep doing this, that person might get kicked out. I might get in. And it's like, that totally could happen. Right. Um, but, but as a sub, you also want to go in and just do a great job for the person that recommended you to be a sub. Right. You don't want to go in and be like, I've been, I've been on the other end of that, uh, as a sub. And like, I've, I've been guilty of that in my younger years when you get, you know, you get a gig or a couple of gigs subbing for a buddy of yours in a cool band and, and you want to, you know, put it up on social media or put it on your, your website or whatever. Like I'm subbing for so-and-so and you know, you can even, uh, like, you know, mention the person you're subbing for in the, <laughs> in the post and say, you know, I'm keeping my good buddy so-and-so's drum chair warm in such and such a band. Um, yeah. you know, to, to kind of make it clear that you, that you're the sub, that you're not like, you know, the new drummer in that band. But you know, the older, the older I get, the more I realize it's, it's probably the classier and more diplomatic thing to do to just not mention it, you know, <laughs> uh, it'd almost be, it, no, I understand what you mean. I think, um, I don't have an answer, you know, like to say wrong or right on that, uh, mm-hmm. at all. I just, if you think about a substitute teacher in school, yeah, this is a lame example because like I, who didn't throw paper and be like complete idiots like when a sub would come in like you're the sub right um, so I know that that's not what I mean but my point is the substitute teacher in a public school which I used to do um, you go into to the person couldn't be there mm-hmm. but they were but they were coming back so in a substitute situation of course what can be good for you is you do a great job because then the band can go man Zach came in or Johnny came in or whoever. And they nailed it for us. Wow. I'm going to keep my ears open for somebody says, I mean, I need a sub or I need a drummer. Right. Then that's where your being ready to sub could possibly lead to some future, more frequent work. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think it's very important. I've only had one situation, believe it or not, only one where my friend got very ill and I, all I thought was, man, I can't believe he's so ill. So I went in, and so did other uh, drummers. And that's what I thought was cool. He got like his good friends that he he liked whatever their styles, and he said, "Can you do two of these dates? I'm in the hospital. We're going to try to make it to where it's a fun thing for the because it was a jam band type thing. Uh, right. We're going to try to make it like stylistically fun. Like you do two dates, then Adam Deitch does two dates, then." you know, whatever. Right. And, uh, we did it and it was humbling because then you start going, Oh my God, like Adam's doing it. <laughs> like I need to do a good job. And then at the same time, we all had the best interest at heart, uh, which is for our buddy that was really, really sick. 
and unexpectedly too. I mean, like fast. Mm. Uh, thank God he's better now. It's great. Yeah. Um, but in that sense, my mind never went to, Ooh, this gig, this is great. This gig should, this is all it was, was like, man, let's learn these crazy, uh, tune forms and have fun with it and like nail it to where the crowd doesn't get upset because you know the jam scene is very loyal fan base they'll judge everything right like, yeah 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 i didn't didn't like what rab did on this one or, <laughs> you know so yeah um in that case i mean that's kind of the way that i've 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 looked at it i i can also tell you that humbling experience was subbing subbing for a drum tech when mm. i was totally trying to be a drummer in nashville yeah. and i earned more money as the sub drum tech that I ever had to this date on any national gig. Wow. True story, man. <laughs> um, and don't even need to get into it, but ironically, sometimes you'll also see yourself looking at the drummer on stage and going, I should, my ego feels like I could be doing that. Mm -hmm. hmm. Why am I not doing that gig? Well, I mean, that's some loyalty they have to the drummer. The drummer's there for a reason. Yeah. They're doing a great job. Mm -hmm. So you also have to keep your ego in check on that whole mentality, too, of like, why not me? Right, why not? right. And it's um, it's interesting what you mentioned about, um, you know, making making yourself available to a gig to a band and and making it clear that like you're my priority. I'm I'm not going to sub this gig unless I absolutely have to. Um, and I think that's we should we should keep that in mind as as far as loyalty goes. I think. These days, there's less loyalty um, in the in the music community. I think I think bands and artists are more accustomed to having two or three guys for every chair that they can call upon. I think you know instrumentalists and drummers are more accustomed to to subbing out on a fairly regular basis to do whatever else, um, and that yes. took that took uh, an adjustment on my part because I'm. Uh, I tend to be a fiercely loyal person. If somebody's loyal to me, then then I will be loyal to them. And if if um, you know if my loyalty isn't being reciprocated, then I get a little dark on that person. Sure. Um, but it's refreshing to hear you talk about like you know if 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 there's a bunch of gigs booked, if you like the band, if they're good people, you know, be loyal to them. And and I I guess you just got to hope that that loyalty is reciprocated. Um, yeah. But in my experience, uh, it, it is. Yeah, I feel like, and again, I never would step out of, out of school or out of line here by saying like, but I feel like such a in such a good spot with Collective Soul guys that, um, you know, as I said, it would be a handshake of like, oh, you, you don't want me to do that anymore. I'd be very bummed because I love the guys, but like, I'm not, uh, they, it, it's it's working so well that I'd be surprised. That's it's the first time in forever, like mm -hmm. forever that there's like, feels like I said, like I'm part of the band. Like I will get, you know, it's, it's not up to me to get the gigs. It's definitely like the agent and, you know, Ed decides and the guys decide, but I'm, if they say something, dude, we got this gig next week and this has happened. Sorry for short notice, but it's always a, yeah, no problem. No problem. Mm -hmm. um, because if not, then it is going to look like I'm not interested. And it's like, Hmm, are you sure that you, you know, you can do this gig? Cause we do need that, uh, re at the ready, you know, type of mentality to get yeah. out there and take care of these. So it's been awesome. I have 
no complaints. It's fun. It's funny. It's musically cool. Yeah. And I know that this is a roundabout way of answering your question, but I visited Nam for the first time in three years, missing it only the last three years because of uh, uh, us being on on tour with the band. Right. Or they, and it's refreshing to have missed it. To be honest, uh, I was very <laughs> much in that. Yeah, uh, was very much in that thing of I am uh, was a Roland clinician for yeah, years. Yeah. And um, um, I loved those days. Mm-hmm. Please don't get me wrong. I still love everyone at Roland, and, and that's not just because we're on the podcast. Like it's true. Like I, um, but I am feeling like I am playing the drums on mute on songs and for an artist and for a, I, I, I really love that it's a proven artist too. It's, right. Uh, these guys. Um, and they had fantastic drummers in the past that respect, respect all of them. So it's cool to yeah. know, continue. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a similar situation, uh, with an Atlanta based band called Ruby Bell and the Sulfonics. Um, yep. I started playing with them about a year ago. Uh, and you know, they've been around for 10 years by this point. Um, and, uh, you know, like like you said, if you make yourself available, if you if you kind of demonstrate that, like, yeah, I'm on board, um, you know, it, it comes back to you not only in the form of gigs, but uh, in terms of, you know, family and like the brotherhood you talked about. And the more yeah. like the more you're around, the more you're available, um, the more they kind of uh, ask your opinion about things, get your input. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of in the, in the place where you were with, with collective soul for a while. Like this is, this is going good. I don't feel like this is their band. Like you said, (laughs) you know, this is their band. I'm, I'm just drumming in it. Um, but you know, just in, in the last year, I, I feel like they've, uh, they've embraced me closer and closer with, with every gig that I've done with them. Um, in That's terms of awesome. being a part of the group and, and having a tribe and all that. That's good stuff. I will say that uh, this is not aimed at you. It's aimed at in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to look at this as I was not in it from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, by the, I was uh, in Nashville trying to have my band signed and like then a record label would do this or that to it and really trying to make it no different than what Collective Soul was, same year and everything. So I look at it as just a great opportunity because I used to listen – to Lightning 100 in, in uh, Nashville, and they their song would come on. I'm like, man, these guys are just ripping, and I always loved them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I do that kind of pinch yourself of like when you think about like who would you want to work with. It's like, oh, Prince or you know Elton John or if I get a gig with whoever, modern day, you know, like I'm, I'm on tour with Bieber or just whatever drummers do, right? Right. Uh, I couldn't be happier because it's a band. Mm-hmm. We really play all the stuff live, and now you know we we intersperse the latest record in with a live show. We've been working on new material, so it, I guess my point is I'm humbled by them all the time because at any point um, I realize it was started, you know, by Ed and the guys, and I'm just lucky to be a part of of this, and I love what it is, and I hope it can. I honestly, selfishly hope it goes until the end of time. You know, right, a, right. Every, everything has the expiration date, which is really freaky, but it does. Yeah. And I just mean that, like, we all, unfortunately, we don't live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really would love nothing more if, like, years from now, you're like, dude, are you still doing that? I'm like, yep, we are 
killing it. And like my kids were through college and, you know, but at the same time, I never recommend sitting and going, oh, yeah, this is this is mine. This is it's like, no, this is something I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of. Right. Period. I kind of rested um, growing with Roland as a clinician, and I really enjoyed it, but I kind of rested thinking, oh, this is going to do nothing but keep growing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do more and more clinics for them. I'm going to get more in-depth and deep with the company, and I'm going to have a career as this like product specialist. I did have that career. My point of this is when that kind of went away, on nobody's fault, just the fact that budgets and different things, you know, we hear it all the time. Oh, hey, in the corporate world, uh, sorry about that. We got to lay somebody off, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily lay me off. It just got to where there wasn't as many gigs. So it was like pinnacle of the clinician career. And then oh, we don't have that much budget. We don't have that much budget. It kept going down. My point of it is this is not a rail on rolling. I, I respect everyone there great gear. You know that we all know that. Yeah. Um, still, still lifelong friends from there. But I guess my point is I learned something right before the, um, right during starting to work with collective soul, man, there was a year that was like, what am I going to do? So Mm. I think the biggest message to everyone is it's not some given that if you quote unquote land something, I guess like you know, I felt like with Roland, wow, how am I doing this clinic? This is neat. Wow. I'm like part of their company. I felt like, you know, um, but at any point, a company can decide they, 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 nothing personal. They don't need you anymore. Right. Um, somebody can do it cheaper than you. Maybe, maybe there's not a demand for your position anymore. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm saying is everyone out there needs to, you don't need to do it. You can do whatever you want. My suggestion is that everyone should think of versatility in this crazy musical climate. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not a joke. You can be, I felt like it. I was like, dude, I'm doing it. I am doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. And then there was one full year where my wife and I were like, what do you, what do you try to be very, she's trying to be supportive, but she's like, what do you think you're going to do? And I'm right. like, I, mean, I have no idea right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess my point is there's no, I'm I'm a big fan of outside the music industry thinking as well as in the music industry thinking. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, um, um, that's and it's something we talk a lot about. Uh, you know, you're told from an early age as a drummer that you gotta you gotta diversify. You gotta learn every style. You gotta be able to play in any kind of band. Um, but uh, yeah. I think what you know what we're not told is well, sometimes we're told by our parents like you gotta have a backup plan. You know, what are you going to fall back on? And that's always talked about in a negative context. But something, you know, something we've learned on this podcast is that, you know, we've we've talked to so many drummers who, um, you know, either currently or in the past have worked in another field. Um, And it it might be uh, it might just be a paycheck that they need. It it might also be if if you're lucky, it might be another field that you're interested in, that you're good at, that, you know, stimulates you and fulfills you in the same way music does. Um, And so. uh, So, yeah, I I think, you know, the more the more musicians can think about, um, you know, what else it is that they can do to make money. What you know? What other talents do you have? What other interests do you have? One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, and it's you know, for for me, I think, and a lot of uh, a lot of other musicians, it's a point of pride to say I only make my living playing. You know, yeah. Uh, like to, for for some guys, it's even it's even kind of a concession to say like I play and I teach lessons. It like that's a but but that's a 100 percent music living. You know, yeah. Um, and some of us are lucky enough to only play for a living. There have been periods in my life when I only played for a living. Um, and they're like, right now I'm playing and teaching. Um, and there have been other periods in my life when I had to do, you know, fucking landscaping or work in a kitchen somewhere, (laughs) you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, there's a lot of folks I've talked to I want to move to Nashville. I want to move to LA. I grew up in Sacramento, so I, I can't say that I ever lived in LA. But I kind of made it a choice, and this is not a cop-out. I mean, sometimes I – there are times that I do the self-reflection and go, ah, why didn't I move to L.A. when my friend Taku did or when when, when Nate Morton did? We all went to college together. Mm-hmm. Competitive in college, there's no question about that. But <laughs> friendly competitive. I love love uh, Nate, but, I mean, it was college. You right. kind of did that. Yeah. And I'm so proud where he is. And I just saw him like six months ago. We were at the same rehearsal space, and he was rehearsing for The Voice and all that. And it's cool because there's there's no I envy him, but at the same time I'm so proud of him. It like outweighs the things and he's so down to earth. And my point to that is I know for a fact I grew up in Sacramento. I did not want to live in LA. I didn't mm-hmm. want the traffic. Uh you live in Atlanta. I when I you know that I'm in, in and out of there with the band. Right. I'm not psyched about the Atlantic Atlantic Atlanta traffic at all. It's it's uh, getting serious out here. <laughs> And then, yeah, and my wife and I lived in Chicago. Ridiculous traffic. Yeah. So, my point in telling everyone that is that whenever I've had people, well, where are you from? Where are you from? The band. They're asking the band. Atlanta. I live in oh Venice, Venice Beach, California, Nashville. And it's like part of me when Jesse says that's our lead guitar player, a great buddy of mine, says Nashville. I get jealous because I put so much time in Nashville. I put twelve years of my pro career in Nashville mm-hmm. and made some headway. And the funny thing is, in my opinion, once you move from somewhere, you can't just go back and be all, I'm, I'm, I used to be here. Right. I used, you should, I still, I used to be here. Right. So I have to be real careful of realizing that, all right, I don't live in Atlanta. I don't live in uh, Nashville or LA. I live in Indianapolis and yes, PAS is here and all that. Um, but I have to realize I moved here for a reason. Cost of living was really cool. Mm-hmm. Traffic is almost none. The airport has two gate entrances, period. Um, it's It takes me 10 minutes from the time I get off the little thing, you know, the little uh, car, long-term parking thing, to get inside and into my gate. It's, re- it's so easy. Right. Right. Um, and I guess I'm at that point, like, and I'm not going to lie to you. Some days I'm like, oh, my God, I should be in Nashville again. Oh, oh no, what am I doing? I should, mm-hmm. I do. I freak out a little bit. I'll see some people and think, like, oh, they're doing it. But then I realize I've been able to build a studio in the house. I'm able to tour with the band. I have kids, so I'm able to um, hang out with my kids on off-time touring. Mm-hmm. Right now it's 11 a.m. or so both of our Eastern standard time. I'm talking to you on this, you know, on the on podcast. If we, if I didn't have these cool luxuries of the band today, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I feel very fortunate and I still believe people should watch out 
for, for some other stream of income because there's nothing worse than when something quits on you and you're not ready uh, yep. to handle That's a tough one. Yep. And it, <laughs> it, it's about uh, setting yourself up to succeed psychologically. Um, I think one, one of the things I learned about myself um, when I was around 30 was that m- money is a, a very emotional uh thing for me. It's a great source of stress. I, I, I think about money very emotionally. Um, and I realized if, you know, whatever I have to do to be less stressed about money, I'm, I'm going to be a better musician because of it. You know, if, if, if you have to do something non-music related to be a little more financially secure so that you can bring your best self to music, um, that's worth it. If you have to live somewhere that maybe you didn't think you'd live when you were younger, you know, you, you freak out about being in Nashville or LA, but if living in Indianapolis, uh, you know, makes you a, a happier, <laughs> yeah. a happier, more relaxed, uh, daily existence for you, um, then, then that's totally worth it. And I feel the same way about a- Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta's awesome. LA's awesome. Yeah. Chicago's awesome. I love all of them. I just realized that when it came to travel and hectic bumper to bumper, I was yeah. like, I'm I would rather not do this bumper to bumper thing. I'd rather uh hang out, you know, and as you said too, real quick, the uh for some people it might not because they might not have kids, may never have kids, or they decide to have kids, but we have them, love them. And that's the other thing is you have to realize that my daughter is not all doesn't. I mean, she's awesome. They're, they're both awesome, but they're not. They don't care about how my drumming thing is, or if I put a post up on YouTube, or right. They just want to. They want to do their life, so I have to. Uh, I love that, and like they're just kids. They're mm-hmm. getting through, and one's going to high school, one's in kindergarten. It's we have to help them get to where they want to be, and um, like you just said it. I mean, to everybody, I'll say the one thing they didn't teach me in college was credit cards can be hell number one yep uh number i've learned i've obviously got a grip on that but i'm saying just in general Mm -hmm. you know i remember freshman year i got a i got a credit card at berkeley you know they should be against the law that they have those little tables out in front of the school being like get your berkeley card yep well whatever i got one and i didn't pay that thing off until i moved to nashville it was insane (laughs) so my point is finances should be taught to, to, to folks that want to do music. Yeah. Um, investing should be taught to people that want to do music outside careers that are flexible, whether that's real estate, bartending, like you said, landscaping, owning your own business, looking at different ways to do things that should be taught. And then even though I used to, uh, yell at my dad in the, when we drive in his truck, why don't you just teach? Because I got my degree yeah. in uh, music education, K through 12. I can go teach and got to do a couple more classes, can do universities, whatever, you know. But I remember, I don't want to. I want to drum. I want a gig. Mm-hmm. But now I look back at that and I'm like, ah, pretty cool. Because if everything hit the fan, I'm certifiable in every you know state in the U.S. Mm-hmm. to teach some sort of music. And then I'm not being arrogant about this but with the experience i've had with touring and like the stick business yeah now i can uh and some book writing and stuff i can also offer myself to the college level you know it might mean relocating relocating excuse me but point of it is there's these tiers of like you you called it the backup plan i used to hate that term 
but now I totally respect that my dad's like, you need to get that music education degree at Berkeley plus your performance if you want. But he's more interested in that music ed, go teach high school band um, right. if, if, you need, if you need to. And I think it's 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 better to think of it not as a backup plan, not as like, you know, what what are you going to do if you reach for your dreams and you crash and burn? What are you going to do then? I I think of it more as like a a multi-pronged approach to my career. And if 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 one of those things is is suffering for a month or a year or whatever, you got two or three or four other things that you can just lean on. And they, you know, they kind of just take turns uh, being emphasized in your career. It's not I, I think it's a real doomsday uh, mentality to to say, like, well, I'm going to try to be a rock star. And if I don't end up being a rock star, I'll be a band director. <laughs> and with that being said, I want to make it very clear, like a little disclaimer. I'm proud of the music education degree and I'm proud of I started doing music because of my band directors and because of my private instructors. So by all means, the respect is huge, is necessary. I would love to have time to do it part time. But as you know, the school seasons, if you will, or the school years, get in, uh, the touring gets in the way of that. So you can't start somewhere. Oh, I'll see you later. I'm going out for a full month. Right. You know, bye kids. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's important too. I want to make it extremely clear that like, I think I was talking on another show about you make it if you it does, you don't have to be like some crazy raking it in. It's like if you're making some living playing music or teaching music, you're you're doing it. And yeah. it, a lot of my uh, past students, well, I want to make this full time, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool, but realize that you're kind of kicking butt what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. like with your band and with your, um, you know what I'm saying, like weekend warrior gigs or. So anyway, it's I have a different outlook. Yes, some days are dark on the sense of uh, you can't help it. I'm 46. I look back and go, ah, like, should I have done this? But you know what? It's like kind of like live in try to live in now because you can't you cannot you can't change the past at all. We talk about uh, the the music business versus the drumming business. And um, yeah. I, I think it's it's uh, it's safe to say that that you've had a lot of experience in both. I think for you know for a long time doing the clinics, doing the products. You know, I would yeah. I would put that in the drumming business category. And as the drummer for a well-established band, like that's the music business. Um, so, what what advice do you have to to young drummers or, or aspiring pros about how to you know how to tell the difference between um, the two and what, you know, what about the, what about the drumming business is actually applicable to the music business? Because I think they're conflated all the time. And, and I think sometimes, uh, the drumming business, um, presents itself as the music business and say, you know, this is all you need to know about drumming. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like Everything when it comes to business, business, whether it's music outside, you know, everyone needs to be careful and needs to learn to not just sign their name somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to just blanket statement this, but you got to be careful of excitement, whether it's drumming business or music business, mm-hmm. excitement over, over reality. Mm-hmm. In my earlier days with the stick company, I was in my early 20s and I had sheer excitement when the rhythm saw was going to be made by this guy 
that had a lumber mill and my excitement got in the way of the reality of the contract leaning in his favor. And at the end of that first round of the company, I was basically left with nothing. And I'm like, whoa, I thought because it was my name and my design that I had this like, oh, my name's on it. That Well, my name didn't stand up legally anywhere, right? So right. people need to be really aware of, and it's very easy these days where it wasn't maybe back in the day, but the internet allows you with like legal Zoom and also, you know, reaching out to somebody they may, might know as a lawyer or, in other words, there's no excuse these days not to get literally a legal person behind if there's a contract presented, whether it's to a band um, or some deal like a, you know, licensing type of thing. And also the music versus drumming. Drumming, I think there's a, a misconception. And, and again, I'm uh, my friend Troy is not here on the line with me, but like I can't help but think about how much we've been become friends and colleagues over the last three years. And he's my, my partner in the stick company, the new stick company. Mm-hmm. And man, to walk around and understand business better with him has been amazing. And my, my point is I, I, I found myself always giving the benefit of the doubt to, Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Let's do that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good guy. Oh, oh handshake. Awesome. Nine times out of ten, I look back and go, or you know, Troy and I'll review something and go, oh well, wow, that's not that's not probably the best deal for, <laughs> for right. you. Um, and that's not any negativity on anybody. It's just I think everyone should realize that if there's a misconception too of like I have a product idea, I'm going to go make a ton of money in the drum industry with my product idea. It's like, well, I hope maybe yeah. it'd be awesome if you do. We are still a I'm still learning how small of an industry the drum industry is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also the music industry is somewhat small compared to some of the tech companies and right. different things there. Um, so I think it's important for people to be smart and get educated in the business side of both music and the drumming industry. Yeah. Um I, mean, I can remember walking around with a backpack real quick at, at PAS and going, I'm Johnny Rapp, and here's my cassette tape with my little folder and my bio. I'd love to have an, love to do an endorsement with you, so-and-so company. And the people are looking at me like, oh, oh okay. And it, only, it, and it was awesome. It worked. It worked back in the day. There wasn't internet. You know, I'm not being like that old nostalgia, but there wasn't that thing. So cassette tape and Velcro and a folder and a little one sheet of here's what I've done. That's how you used to go network. But now it's so different with the internet. It's so different with YouTube. It's so different with Instagram. It's so different with all that. I'm not going to lie to you. When it comes down to like a record deal, I have no idea these days how that stuff's going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, uh, is is there even such a thing as a record deal anymore? I mean, I know there is, but it's vastly different. The landscape is totally different. Um, and it's interesting, Very you, different. you mentioned the difference between excitement and reality and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously excitement about a band or excitement about a, a business opportunity can kind of cloud your vision, um, uh, to, yeah. you know, what the situation actually is. But I think the same thing can, can happen musically. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we see on, 
um, drum DVDs and YouTube and, and a lot of the educational material that's out there, it's exciting. It's exciting drumming. Um, but you know, it can, it can get you too excited about that without thinking about, you know, what it's, what it's like to play in a band like collective soul. What is it like to come into an established band, learn all these songs, um, or, you know, go on an audition, um, I, I, it's, it's something I feel strongly about and I, I try not to rag too hard on, um, you know, people who make their living doing clinics and DVDs and and the YouTube thing. Um, but it's, it's something I'm, I'm concerned about for, (laughs) for young drummers, especially. Yeah. If you're, if, and again, I know I'm, I'm kind of thinking back what you just asked. I didn't really answer it because it's just, it's like an all day conversation about music industry or whatever. Of course, the only thing I can say, one, about the music and drumming is just remember why you started playing. Mm. That's the biggest, my biggest thing. And then do you like what you're playing? <laughs> because I think a lot of people, including myself at a young age, is like, I have to have some endorsement because that means I made it. A lot of people have this. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure confused still a little bit about what you're speaking of, of, of YouTube success and um, not sure why, and I'm not bummed. I have like I have people that are like I guess buddies, if you will, that are like that that million follower mark on right on YouTube, and I've met them, and I'm like, dude, you're totally cool. I you know done a workshop with certain folks, and be like, man, you're totally cool, and I'm baffled that the somehow the video views are that high. Um, um, but I'm not mad at them. I'm more like how does that happen? And then like, I see people getting lately, like these awards of, Oh, hundred thousand followers. And they get a plaque from YouTube. Right. It's interesting to me that I must admit that I guess that's the new platinum record or gold record thing for mm-hmm. people to get. And I'm, I'm, I see it. Part of me goes like, that'd be cool to have. But then part of me is like, wow, that must take a lot of work of posting and some different things. And, and it's a full-time job, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to be a hypocrite because sure. I'm going to like, as we're speaking on, on this podcast, I have some ideas I want to do in the very near future that are, uh, to be honest, my attempt at just whatever it is, like just drum reality, like we spoke about, mm-hmm. but I am going into it, not thinking of trying to get a YouTube award or, once I hit a certain amount, it's like, I don't understand. I've heard so many rumors of like uh, people paying for viewers or whatever you call it and, and, yeah. and knowing the whole, and I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying I've heard like, man, there's no way that's gotta be like some sort of algorithmic or some, you know, some ad paying or right. uh, bots or whatever. And, and this right. is me being 46. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do get scared when I hear, mediocre uh it's really that sounds like such a bad word but like entry level beginning students say i'm i'm gonna i want to be a youtube star Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and and so it's fair to drummers i also get freaked out when my 14 year old daughter oh that's a youtuber and i'm like what are you talking about (laughs) right like right you know and, and so that sounds really mean but like i'm blown away that we paid big money to go see Dan and Phil, some YouTuber twins for my daughter to go see their comedy show. I'm like, uh, okay. Right. I don't get, but, but I mean, you went to see a show like you, you paid money to go see a show. And I think what, go ahead. 
but only upon their YouTube success that started them to be able to tour. Right. Right. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think drummers and mus- musicians in general have to... Um, I think too many people think of YouTube as the the goal and not a, a tool. And that goes for all social media. Um, Good job. Uh, I agree. It, it, you know, you might have a million followers. This post of yours might get a million likes or whatever. And you can trans- translate that into income. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think the reason most of us started playing drums is because we wanted to play in a band in front of people. Um, <laughs> you know. That's right. Um, or just the love of music, you know. Right, right, and I think that's where that's where the drumming industry. Um, and I, you know, I'm realizing it's not the drumming industry's fault. It's not Mike Johnston's fault that uh, some drummers are beginning and ending with his videos, no, and and, nope. and putting up videos of themselves playing shit they learned on his videos, and you know, never that's a cool, yeah, never you know, never playing in a band, never playing in front of people. Um, if you know, if that's all you want to do with it, fine. But if you want to make a living at this and be in the music business, um, you're, you're going to need more. <laughs> you got to go beyond that. And you know what? It's a, it's a, it's a, the subject of that. Hats off to all the guys and girls that have done the YouTube and, and made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool that they understood the model at an early time and that they they thought about it. I mean, I, I remember years before YouTube existed. What if there was online lessons? Well, you know what? The technology wasn't there, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't do it. You know, So it's kind of like I can sit and be bummed out um, or just go, all right, I understand YouTube now. i got to be honest. I did not. When that first came out, YouTube, I was like way ignorant to the possibilities. Because like, at first it was people like tripping each other and right. like, dumb little <laughs> – <laughs> like, look at this guy get bit by a dog and, like, dragged through the snow. And I'm like, what is going on? So hats off to the people that recognize the power that it can have. And now that even – I don't even think YouTube re- – maybe I'm wrong – realized they'd be making awards for people, for viewers and monetize. Maybe they did. Maybe they totally knew it from the beginning. Mm. Um, but the danger um, for for people thinking they should just get on YouTube and – make money, that is a difficult task to get yourself monetized and for money to even come in. Yeah. Um, I'm not being trying to be rude, but the only thing that bothers me is when it's content for content's sake. Yeah. That's the only thing that's, uh, I don't, I don't have any issue with like a lot of people be like, Oh, but that's all that dude does is, is chops or all she does is play hand stuff. I'm tired of it. It's like, well, it's okay. You know, like whatever, like, or a talk show or a, it's like, I do feel like everyone should be able to have a voice if they want. Um, but I am not, I'm not a person that right now sitting here going, Hey man, I'm going to launch my YouTube or relaunch my YouTube thing. And I think that it's going to be monetized and I'm going to make this much per month. I have no idea what I would like is to offer what I've done to some of my private students on more of a, a, a level playing field of like, ah, you know, hey, check this out. That might not be what you're thinking an endorsement really is. Do you really understand what yeah. happens? Yeah. That type of, in, you know, information. Or, hey, don't be late for lobby call. What's lobby call? But, you know, like. <laughs> so, where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? Notsomoderndrummer.com. 
Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com. Since you've joined Collective Soul, how has uh, being in a band that way changed your drumming from, from the all clinics all the time days? Um, and, and, you know, beyond that, how has that changed your, your educational approach when you do clinics today, when you have students today? Um, how has, how has that changed? Awesome question. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I look at some of the, uh, both, uh, men and women on the YouTube thing or Instagram. I'm like, wow, the bar has been set high with the chops and some things. Um, with the band, and this is, this is actually, sometimes I'm proud of it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, got to get back in the shed. <laughs> right. But I don't, I don't, I don't practice as much uh, like I used to, and I've been focusing on family so much too um, that just like practicing for practicing sake has kind of gone out the window. Yeah. Um, so that's changed. Like a lot of my hand stuff, I used to be able to do with zero problem or chops is. It's not a problem anymore, but it's like the literally the rusty term. Like, oh, I went for that thing, and that didn't kind of work. Right. <laughs> um, I'm playing for the song and for the gig, so a lot of people that have come out of the show are like, wow, dude, you didn't even do the freehand, or you didn't do much double bass. You know, I'm not a double bass big drummer, but I, I love, you know, utilizing double pedal. I'm playing for the tune, and I grew up playing for songs and stuff, and um, you mentioned this in our when we talked at, at the drum shop. You know this, yeah. this kind of you know people come to see you with Collective Soul, expe- expecting to see the you know the the Johnny Rab of Clinics Past, and you know they yeah. come up to you and they're like, "Are you are you sure you're Johnny Rab?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I in, mean, in a way, in a way, you talked about that as being your goal. Like you you want to just play drums in a band. You want to play songs, and that's what you got the opportunity to do. Um, so, so yeah, like, you know, because of that, the hands are a little bit rusty. Maybe you don't get to do all the, you're not able to do all the stuff that you, you used to be, but, um, are, are you a, are you a happier drummer for it? What's make me happier about is, is really the fact of just this year. And I'm not like just making it up because we're like talking today, but my studio is going to be done in the basement. That was like a lifetime goal to Mm -hmm. have a soundproof type of place where I could play an experiment. I've always told anybody that when they're like, I don't like that, that guy twirls or, Oh, that's so stupid death metal or, Oh man, I don't like, forget the groove stuff. I'm, I'm chops only. You get my point. The right. pigeonholing. Yeah. I love, I love all drumming. That is that, that is cool. Like, I mean that like, I don't care if, if somebody's twirling and I'm like, Holy crap, how do they do that? You right. know, like I'm, I'm loving it, you know? Yeah. So, it's made me more at ease because it is a real gig. It is a real band. Mm-hmm. They have repeat fans. We have uh, real, real gigs that are that dream thing where when the time to play, 
it's a lot of folks. So yeah. I'm very happy that I've reached a goal with a group of dudes that I hope, as I said, lasts forever mm-hmm. until my body can't do it anymore. So that's I'm, that part couldn't be happier. And what that allows me to do now is to, even though I feel like I'm a little behind, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, in the drummer's industry, I just talked to my wife this morning going, man, I, I used to have these books out and they did well with them and like I had clinics all the time and now I don't do that much. And, and we both talked about it and I'm like, it's cool because now the freedom, I'm going to get back to exploring what I call kind of the, just the weird artistry of just drumming for, for drumming. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I got to be honest, like let's face it, most of the stuff on Instagram, if drummers follow another drummer, it's drumming for drummers. Right. Uh, and good good people, good folks like Eric Moore. Dude, I love his playing. I love him as a human. Yeah. But he's also playing in all these bands that like I don't think people realize are funky or like very uh, challenging, you know, suicidal tendencies. And you're like, how are you doing that? Right. That is, and and, and I, I can't get behind the folks that are like, oh, I'm tired of him or not, not Eric necessarily. I'm tired of that. It's like, there's a place for everything. Yeah. And I feel like to answer your question, now I'm going, that's cool. I got some concept ideas for freehand, for rhythm saw, for drum and bass again. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to try to do if I post anything or I don't post anything is to try to get back to that fun drumming for drumming sake. And for, um, that's kind of like my look outlook now is, is this has allowed me to start again on, on, uh, what am I doing now? Drumming, like, like not just rehashing out all my old stuff and, and selfishly, I'm not going to lie. I'm very happy that even if it's quirky, that the freehand, Rhythm saw and the drum and bass, electronic and drumming are like kind of three little things that I tried to specialize in as a younger dude. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like when I will post something, it might be something I hope that's fresh and not just like I don't know, just a here's a chop for no reason, like, right? You know, you know so. And I, I think and, that's I I I don't want to I'm not trying to encourage drummers to like you know spurn the chops drummers and and spurn the, the the DVDs and all that. But what you're talking about is you know recognizing if if you see something super choppy or super crazy or flashy, um, you know recognize that that there's a time and a place for that kind of drumming, sure. um, and you know that that accomplishment in drumming is to be celebrated and that time and place is, yes. is to be taken advantage of. But you know, you gotta realize that, um, like I said, there's a time and a place for everything and you can be enthusiastic about it. I agree that I was just going to say one other thing about time and place. I think people need to realize that if it's a camera, a drum set and a play along or a camera and a drum set and no play along or even musicians, if that, is, you know, if somebody's blowing chops and grooving, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that you're not going to be on like, a, let's say you're at a lounge, you know, playing with a tree, jazz trio. Right. If I saw a video of somebody playing major chops over a bossa nova, which was like hilarious, like we're like, whoa, like that's just not musically correct. Right. That's that's not appropriate. But if it's if you got some lick or something that you're you're proud of or that you've done we've kind of unfortunately i guess the universe earth whatever technology has made it now where 
you post it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you and I love it and hate it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's more to celebrate in drumming than ever, and and there's more to uh, sort of be wary of than ever, and it's all it's all the same shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's yeah. a, I encourage everyone to just remember that. I know going back to YouTube, what a powerful tool. I'm not going to say it's a mistake to be like, I'm going to be a YouTube drummer, but that's a, that, I don't know. That's, 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 that's rolling the dice pretty big time of like, I'm going to just get on YouTube and be a YouTube paid drummer. Right. But people have done it. So I'm not going to crush dreams, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) People are still going to need, you know, somebody to play drums for music when the zombie apocalypse happens and, and YouTube is going away. So <laughs> right, right. Um, I saw uh, Peter Erskine here in Atlanta uh, two days ago. He did a clinic. I at, saw your photo with him. Yeah, yeah. It was great to see him. Um, and uh, he did a clinic at Emory University and a, a couple performances with the jazz program there. And in his clinic, he talked about uh, bad habits and how you know every every drummer. You know, he talked about the bad habits that he's trying to break right now, um, and it it made me think about mine uh he even named <laughs> one of mine specifically oh, like when, he's a lot a lot of drummers when they're playing brushes uh you know if they're just playing swing time on brushes all of a sudden for some reason there's a lot of splashes on the hi-hat like you stop doing the chick and just start doing a bunch of splashes um, oh, oh i got and, it yeah and he said that and i was like yeah i do that all the time i don't know why um but it got me thinking about bad habits and and how we can all scrutinize uh, you know this the stuff that isn't serving our drumming and this and the stuff that isn't serving the music. So, what are uh, what what are one or two bad habits that you're trying to break right now? There's a lot of things like um, overthinking about. Uh, and I know you're talking about drumming, but over, just overthinking the why. Like if I want to work on a, a pad, mm-hmm. like and I know it goes back to the social media stuff. Uh, I'm trying to give myself like my own time, hopefully in the future of just practicing and whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult with, again, with this technology of thinking, okay, I'm down here practicing to prepare for some sort of post. Right. I think a lot of people have that in their mind, man, I got to come up with something cool enough to post. It's like, no. Uh, so that, that habit, I think also, um, trying to play for the moment whether it's with the band or not and um i have a habit of kind of if, if something a minor thing might happen I mean, it's a big long show so if something happens like a backbeat got weird or something i'll stay we hear about a lot you know instead of thinking for the moment you're you're, you're back on like four bars ago right so try not to think about that too much and again habit wise for me it's been a lot of psychological uh, really like reminding myself right now is right now past is past can't predict the future so when it comes to drumming or life I've really been trying to work on right now and then also not and I know it sounds silly but it's true like thinking about something you might have seen on Instagram or YouTube where you feel like you have to uh, judge yourself against that post or judge yourself against uh, a status of another player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a major waste of time that sometimes I'm guilty of. Yeah. 
Me too. So, yeah. So lastly, I'll say, funny enough, uh, working with Troy, uh, again, my partner and buddy, I just, it's not worrying so much, not, not, not freaking out about like, Oh, well, what did somebody, and, and it is, it's all this, like a lot of monumental wasting time on, on, uh, Instagram. Like we joke about the gram hole, like, Oh yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, uh, right. At the end of the day, I don't know how important that stuff is. And, and, uh, that's my habits. Like, and also, and also, I don't know if this can ring true with anybody or kind of like hit a nerve, but for me, I was down in this exact room listening to my twenties, like 22. I had a band called stick boy and it was kind of a bummer. Cause in listening to the, uh, record, I was like weird. I was 22 and listen how confident and like, who cares? I, I, I was, I was uh-huh. singing, I was doing all the stuff. And the band was like at that age, a successful weekly residence in Sacramento at this, this like supper club place. We're doing great. So I guess like the habit of realizing don't stop yourself from putting something out or doing a project that you want to do because you're worried it won't go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the biggest ones. It's interesting you mentioned your practice habits because I like the, the, the thing I have about practicing is, you know, if, if I say, okay, I have an hour, uh, you know, maybe I'll work on some brushes then I start analyzing it like, well, do I have a gig coming up that I'm going to play brushes? What am I going to practice on the brushes? Am I going to improvise? Am I going to practice rudiments with the brushes? You know, I, yeah. I start overthinking it and, and kind of listing reasons why I should not practice brushes that day. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's like, just, just fucking sit down and play. Like, get your hands get- moving. It's never bad for you. It's never going right. to hurt you <laughs> to just sit down and play something and work on something for a little bit. And I also think, like, well, if I practice this this day, uh, am I going to be able to build on that, you know, next week? Am I going to have the discipline to practice it a, a few times in the next few days or whatever? Or is it just going to be a one-off thing and it's not going to do me any good? I know. Pardon me on that phone. That's okay. Um, I totally understand. Um, and, and maybe other drummers that are listening or whatever can understand that even when you said the Erskine thing and then you said brushes, we all do it. My mind went, I haven't practiced brushes in so long. I should practice brushes. So we all, we all have those things. Like we really do. I thought today, I'm like, why don't I have a, a band of some, uh, blazing players from Butler here in Indy together for my little funk jazz band. I don't know. Like time is jamming by. It's, it's, it's not easy. So that's, I guess the other thing about you said about habits, trying to give myself a break. Mm. Um, you know, those of you that are out there, I have some good friends that like one, one of my buddies just published a book and he's like, man, I just don't feel like I'm getting, getting enough done in a day. And I just try to remind him, Dude, there really is 24 hours a day, and most of those we're working. We have about nine that mm-hmm. we truly can do something. And if you have a day that you get nothing done, try to just put that aside and go on to the next day. Right, um, right. We cannot control how long we're allowed to be here. I don't think I'm. I'm very bummed out. I want to make a little note in a second. Remind me about Instagram. I could just a note. Yeah. Uh, about mortality that bugs me right. on Instagram. Right. We don't know how long we're going to live here. I always get a smile on my face when somebody says I'm have a gift 
And I used to like trip out and then I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you have a gift from, for drumming. And I'm not saying I don't agree with it, but like lately when, when some folks, friends of mine, my pro friends have been all, I think it was like Omar Phillips or somebody. He's like, dude, I'm so blessed. I play, you know, drums and you can tell he's happy. And like, I'm just, can't, I'm so excited. I'm here. I've been trying to like get back to just the fact that I really know how to play drums. So do you, you yeah. know, it's like, some people have no idea you're like, and, and they may never, and they want to so bad. So if mm-hmm. we know how to play them. Right. We should just be pretty pumped that we know the answer. It's such a small little community. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day about how, um, I, I, I think I'm a less ambitious person than a lot of my peers in, in the drumming community. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've had a a lot of success in my career and, and I'm continuing to, and, and hopefully will continue to. But, um, yeah. I, I, I was wondering the other day if I'm just too easy to please <laughs> as, as an employee, as a drumming employee, because, um, you know, you, you, you hear other guys, uh, the other people's grievances about stuff they've had to deal with. And, you know, you and I both have all kinds of grievances that we could, that we could list, um, but I, I, what my point is gratitude, you know, you said we should be pretty pumped to just know how to play drums and be able, you know, be given opportunities to do it. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I would rather err on that side. I would rather, um, you know, be grateful for opportunities to play opportunities to make money. Um, and, uh, be, <laughs> be, I guess be low maintenance, be easy to please as a musician. And, and, and that's cool. I think that it's a heavy one, but I think in light of some greats that have passed, uh, away too soon mm-hmm. and like unexpectedly, that one has gotten me in a situation in my mind where I'm like, okay, weird. I thought those people were going to live forever. There was like immortal. There's yeah. no, I mean, I, uh, I'm bummed out. Like, Truly, when I see, and it's nobody's fault. It's everyone trying to be very, uh, paying respect and very sweet about their their Instagram. You know, R.I.P. So and so, and um, just for sake of like not getting into the actual people, that's the one thing that makes me sad sometimes about Instagram is we might not have been paying attention to those p- persons' lives as drummers for right, years, but, right. but then when they pa- then when they pass away unexpectedly then all of a sudden we're we're and i get it it's a very like uh as i said a big major respect and and i love it but at the same time i'm saddened um that it takes the passing of a great artist to then all of a sudden be like oh my god like that person did this and this and this and this and i say it as a blanket statement only because i don't want to get too deep into my friends who've lost friends that I've been close to that are like, man, and I, you know, text to them being like, I cannot believe this person passed away or someone that, to be honest, recently passed away that I, I was not totally up on their career. Right. And it, and I was just telling my wife this morning, I'm like, this drummer was doing amazing things and I, I did not know. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it took the losing them to then videos to surface and different. And, and it really made me, I'm not trying to get dark, but it just made me, I guess really want to like tell everyone to live in the moment and uh, realize that I think we get our egos sometimes too attached to this. Yeah, I'm 
I'm a drummer. I'm just killing it. Look how many followers I have. Look right. how many, it's like, it's like we all need to realize that there, it's a big earth and all that stuff. And we, we are lucky to play the instrument. And yeah. it, I know I'm getting a little deep there, but like that one, how easy it is to just post kind of blows my mind sometimes. Right. And I guess let's not forget that we're lucky to have this and that there are some serious players we might not even know about mm-hmm. yet that yeah. are just killing, you know, on the, on the in music. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of the reasons we do this podcast is because there's so many drummers in in cities other than New York, L.A., and Nashville who are, you know, in small communities or mid-sized towns who are part of a local music scene who are just talented as all get out. Um, yeah. who who have a you know a voice and something to offer music and and advice to offer us you know yeah. about about how many different ways there are to go about a life in music that's awesome well Johnny it was great talking to you man I'm I'm glad we did this I know it had been we'd been talking about it for a long time but I'm glad we finally perfect got to timing yeah perfect timing very very uh, and again I'm not a big this kind of guy but very uplifting uh, and I hope that. Anything I said didn't offend anybody or, you know, I hope it's all taken for what I'm, it's just my opinion. Yeah. No, it's, you know, nobody, nobody gets offended on this, on this show. Everybody has opinions and, uh, everybody, you know, we're all, we're all adults. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think our listeners are all adults. That's cool. Um, (laughs) yeah, man. And if anybody has any, you know, questions directly to me, just hit me at my website or through you. Uh, be happy to answer any questions or whether there are any or not. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for talking, Johnny. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Johnny Rab. Hope you enjoyed that. Collective Soul has tour dates coming up, so go check him out. And uh, by all means, you know, if you can, introduce yourself. He is just about the most approachable guy you'll ever meet, and we'll, uh, we'll rap with you about just about anything. Don't forget to follow us on social media, share pics and videos of your gigs using the hashtag working drummer. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review there. That's very helpful to us and we appreciate hearing from you. Also, once again, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher if that's where you prefer to do your podcast business. Thanks as always to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance. Come on back next week for Matt Krause's interview. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.